Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Four, three, two, and one. Welcome everyone to this episode of the real leaders podcast i'm your host kevin edwards and joining us today folks we've got mr ben hutt the ceo and managing director of evergen ben a pleasure having you on the show today thanks kevin good morning great to be here fantastic so ben it's 6 30 a.m in the morning tomorrow by the way in australia uh you drink a nice little coffee mug today Tell us a little bit about uh, Evergen, the company. I want to start these shows, Ben. We really want to talk about the origin, kind of who made you as this leader uh, and some of the adversity that you faced, which kind of you brought into this, this company. So when I ask you that question about adversity, about something you had to overcome, about maybe a difficult time that made you who you are, what resonates? Well, I guess I live the life of, if it's not difficult and hard and meaningful and purposeful, then it's kind of not really worth doing. I began my career at the dawn of the internet in like 2001 in London, involved in really understanding that the internet would change the way business would be done forever. I was involved in building the world's first digital bank and then spent like a decade fixing big problems in corporates. And I've spent the last decade building 
startups, like building big disruptive software businesses. And, and in that, like my first big project was five years building a disruptive recruitment marketplace that went really well. We launched globally and then it all fell apart and everyone lost everything. And I think the humbling experience of just how close we were to, to winning, but how we ended up failing nonetheless was really, really informative. Um, and I was really privileged then to spend three years helping other some of Australia's best entrepreneurs and big corporates build companies. So I helped build more than 200 startups and fix a lot of startups. And that's what led to me being given the opportunity to refound Evergen, which is what I've spent the last four years doing. And I guess the, the, the thing about me is like, I have a knack for fixing things, seeing business models, picking teams, like really have a sort of clarity around vision for how some things can, can unfold. And I think my vision for energy was very much like, this is the time where we have to decarbonize lots of things in and around the world, but energy is like a massive, massive problem. And I've got, between my wife and I, we've got six daughters. And so I think we think very hard about what the world's gonna look like when they're my age. Um, and, and I think having spent four years building Evergen, like Evergen's a software business that enables renewable energy assets to, to behave better or optimizes them in the energy system. And that could be like solar farms with big batteries or batteries with EV chargers and solar on someone's house. Or like we basically orchestrate devices in energy to, to maximize the value of electrons that are, that are generated. And so by doing that, um, we feel like we're, we're adding value, not just to the people that have these things and the, the energy markets that have these things, but actually to humanity, because we're, we're, we're kind of, making green electrons more more valuable than, than brown ones and, and by doing that we, we drive investment into into the energy transition so that's that's what we do and, and ben in your experience with all this this startup experience like what do you need to get right in the beginning in order to make sure that you can grow prosperously prosperously there's so many things i mean people you always start with team business model Having built lots of big software businesses now, and it's really expensive to do this. Like, I, I think people should focus on revenue a lot sooner than than often we do. Like, quite often we think we'll build something, and and the revenue will come later. Like, it, often it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think really, uh, it's one of the things that makes energy really difficult is that w when things are small, they're not valuable, and so the revenue opportunity in terms of making them work better is not is not as great as it is when they're really big. And I, and I think. If people just get clear on the business model, value proposition, team, and make sure on team, I think is is underemphasized. Like I think people founding companies or even even managing teams, like you need to have at least a management team of two. Like I subscribe to the rocket fuel way of thinking, which is that every company needs like a visionary who sells and raises money and hires people and and does kind of the front of the train stuff, and needs an implementer, which is the person who makes everything happen. And I'm very fortunate in my life to like have that person at Evergen. And so we run the business together. Um, and obviously there's, there's others involved. It's a team of like nearly hundred people around the world. Now we've got customers all over the world, but because of the separation of duties and the alignment between the two of us, like anything's possible. Um, I think solo founders, people trying to do things by themselves, like that's extra, extraordinarily difficult. Um, and so, yeah, I, I encourage people to team up and find people with complementary skills. And, and what are some of those questions? Because you're obviously taking a big risk on partnering with somebody. What are some of the things you're looking for 
in a good partner? What are some of those questions you want to make sure you ask before you decide to uh, venture with this person? Yeah, I think it's important to build trust and have mutual respect. Um, like I found mine after we spent like two or three years building companies together and with similar people. And so we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses really intimately. And we knew that together we'd be like two plus two equals seven. So I think you need trust, respect, um, a really good understanding of who's going to do what. Like, let's really be clear about what's your responsibility and what's my responsibility so that we're not meddling in each other's like strawberry patches, I call it. Um, and then just empower each other and support each other and, and listen to each other. And we have a thing where we say you kind of argue about stuff. You argue like you're right, but you listen like you're wrong. And I think that's one of the things people often don't do is listen well and, and ask really good questions and, and try and take things from other people's perspectives. I love that. And and now in this this point of your career, where are you trying to invest, I guess, most of your time to listen better? Are there things you're doing to get yourself out of the business, out of the day-to-day, out of the writer's block? Help me understand ways that you're able to detach and, I guess, um, be open to uh, more input. Yeah, so I, I I guess I have a couple of daily rituals. One of them is like I walk my dogs through the woods. And while I'm doing that, I listen to, to podcasts. Um, and, and one of my favorites is a thing called The Daily Stoic, which is like a 10-minute meditation on on stoicism and those like very age-old philosophies of life and just, just getting on with stuff. Um, and I think where I'm at in the journey with Epigen now, like we're, we're one of the world's leading software businesses in energy and founded and, and largely run and operated in Australia with about 50 people in Australia. But we now have a lot of people overseas and we have customers in parts of Europe, in Japan, in Latin America, in Mexico. And so I'm sort of spending most of my time asking questions of people in the energy transition in other parts of the world to try and understand what problems they're seeing and, and how they're seeing energy evolve. Like this is one of the, the great things about electricity is it's the physics is the same everywhere and everyone wants to turn a light on and have it, have it magically work. But the way that energy systems are moving away from fossil fuels and, and, and it's a regulatory nightmare and every country is going at its own pace, doing things in its own way. And even in it from a US context, Across the US, the seven energy markets, they're all slightly different. There's a lot of utilities and they're all doing different versions of the same thing. And so I spend my time um, speaking to people involved in those things, understanding how they're seeing the challenges ahead of them and really finding ways that, that through what we've done in Australia and elsewhere, we can help accelerate their challenges and therefore accelerate decarbonization. So if you were to give a talk on expansion and replicating a model in a new foreign country with you have maybe some experience but more limited experience obviously you're big on listening what are some of those key factors you would want to make sure that you incorporate have you ever played the game of risk you know where you've got like dice and little guns and your objective is to take over the world I think I played that a lot as a kid. And one of the things I learned is that like, you don't want to be spread too thin. You don't want to be exposed on too many fronts. And so 
the principles that we operate around are trying to work with a small number of meaningful customers in new geographies or with new asset types and building around their needs and scaling with them before then selling that product to, to a bunch of other people. Um, and so in, in Europe now, we've got projects in five countries with five different utilities, all of which are basically versions of the same thing. And so that's, that's our focus for the next six months is basically implementing those, getting scale with those partners. And, and really that, that'll be, that's exclusively the focus in Europe. Same thing in Latin America. We've got a couple of really good projects that allow us to build new business models for really big utilities in in parts of Latin America that will really lead the lead the way for for the rest of those countries, and and allow sort of a stepping stone for us to then launch off in a year or two years time when the market's ready for, for what we do. So I think it's not being spread too thin. Like pick your pick your early customers really carefully, and and one of the things that we all know is that like customers and and for us software partners like it's a long-term relationship so you want to make sure that you get it set up as partnership up front and you you set things up on the basis that as things change you you evolve and grow together um and that's i, I think luckily for us it's one of the things that evergen is is it's we change the way things work as the energy markets and the opportunities change and so things are constantly changing for us um but we like to spend our time and energy on a small number of meaningful customers that provide scale in a given market interesting i love that and you had mentioned ben that you're into the daily stoics and so i'll give you one you know never gets in the way but comes the way right that's that's kind of a lot of the thinking from marcus aurelius um my question to you is you had mentioned about a little bit about the regulations that you're facing I don't know if they're predominantly just from the lobbyism with fossil fuels or what's really happening, but what is the obstacle right now from getting renewable energies deployed to markets all around the world so that others can access affordable, cheap, clean energy? Well, that deployment is happening faster than ever. Like it, it really is moving exponentially rapidly. Um, and so I think deploying the assets is, is kind of the easy bit. Um, the difficult bit is connecting them to the to the old grid. I can keep it in really simple terms. So all around the world, we've got like big solar farms and big wind farms that are only being allowed to produce 40% of the energy that they were built for because the grid can't handle it. And And the regulations primarily exist to keep the lights on. Like their primary objective in regulating energy is to make sure that people have access to power all the time and then subsequently it needs to be cheap and green that's the priority stack so i think what we're in the business of doing is like demonstrating how the regulations can unfold to accelerate this investment while simultaneously keeping the lights on so for, for example one of the things i'm really passionate about is energy storage so batteries or long duration storage or hydrogen storage like basically being able to store electricity so you can use it later means that you can do more with the generation assets you have. So as, as an example, a customer of ours has wind farms off the coast of um, a country in Europe that are only producing 40% of the energy that they can because the, the power lines can't handle it. Like, I think that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Like, what a waste. And, and so 
I think this is what, what we're grappling with. And I think like it's not the regulation's fault. Like regulation's always two years behind disruption. You might remember like 10 years ago when Uber was just growing and it was growing faster than the regulations could, could catch, catch up. And in the end, all around the world, the regulations caught up maybe five years after it was already over. So it'll be very similar in electricity. It's obviously a bit harder in electricity because of the the way that it all works, but but we'll get there. And I think there's political leadership all around the world like there's never been now. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in Pittsburgh last year when the Inflation Reduction Act got, got properly launched by um, Jennifer Granholm. And I, I remember having a very clear feeling that like this is the time, like finally the US is, is like, we're going to go hard at this problem um and the rest of the world like now has no opportunity no alternative but to sit up and 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 join the race and and we're definitely seeing that in in what i do and and so for the layman out there listening to this they're on their way to work they are maybe a little bit more sophisticated in renewable energy than most but just really when i hear it from an expert on the ground um, and learn a little bit more about how Evergen actually works. Like, give us a breakdown of how the software enables more efficient energy. Sure. So there's kind of two categories for Evergen. The first one is all around small assets. So homes with solar, with batteries, EV chargers, maybe with heat pumps or hot water system or air conditioning or pools, all of which is connected to the internet. So in that environment, Evergen is a, a brain that connects to all of those devices and saves that household as much money as possible while making sure it has all the electricity it needs. And then secondarily, it'll sell spare energy to the market, ultimately turning your house into a revenue generating machine, not a, an energy consuming cost sink. Like that's basically the, the first version. That's how we started is, is doing that. And we have well over 10,000 sites around Australia and elsewhere in the world where we're doing that every day for homeowners. The, the, the thing we then do with that is we can then aggregate all of those homes and orchestrate them together as well as on their own. So but by doing that, you can aggregate what's called a virtual power plant, which, which gives you greater opportunities either to support the grid or buy and sell energy in wholesale markets. And, and that's that's effectively, in my view, that's part of the future is this orchestration of small assets all contributing and participating in the energy market in the way that a coal-fired power station might do. So that's, that's one thing we do. And, and so um, I think that the second thing we do, which, which I'm extremely excited about, is we work very closely with people who own big solar farms and wind farms, and we are involved in deploying batteries on those assets and then trading the batteries in the energy market by providing either grid stability or ancillary services or trading electricity with them. Um, and it, it's funny, like we started in the small sites with homes and, and sometimes when we're selling to big customers with like 100 megawatt batteries, they go, oh, you know, how did you get out of homes into this big stuff? And it's like, well, the homes is actually more complicated because you've got load you've got to predict what the household's going to do you've got to predict weather you've got to you've got to predict hundreds of things and we have like 40 different ai models predicting all these things and making really good decisions but at the big scale like you can have a lot more impact on the system when you're dealing with hundreds of megawatts or gigawatts of energy from a single site um and so we have these two 
sides of the business. And, and that's, that's really what we do. And we do it all over the world now. It's incredibly impressive. And, and um, I just want to go back and tie this all into to leadership. You know, what is, I guess, what is the mark of a good leader to you, Ben? It's a good question. And, and I, like, I, I hope I'm a good leader. Like I, I've been some, definitely led some people through some really challenging things. And, and so I, I guess for me, a leader needs to have a, a clear vision of the future or, or something they believe needs to change that they're willing to like fight for. And then they need to be tenacious, I think, humble, disciplined. Um, and I think importantly, like, you're going to try and inspire amazing people to take on impossible challenges. You need to be willing to take responsibility for mistakes. You need to be willing to be wrong. You need to be able to hold yourself and, and others accountable for what happens. Um, but I think the, the key thing is, it's just like, you just got to keep going. Like, and this, I think, is where the stoicism comes in, is like being tenacious and not giving up when others might. I, like, I think that's, that's extremely important. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it for me. Ben, what keeps you going? I, I have a belief that like, if, if we can all as humans just do our bit to make something just a little bit better every day and, and think about the next generation. And if it's in business, it's like improving the way the business works just a little bit every day and, and, change, and just striving for excellence continually. Then I think like we've demonstrated that the human race, we can achieve amazing things. And we will continue to do that. And the, but the world will evolve more rapidly. People need to innovate more quickly. Things will change faster as, as, as we go through this next era of innovation. And, and I think, like, I want to be part of that. Like, I, I don't want to be a passenger to it. I want to influence it. I want to have impact. I want to contribute. Like, I, I believe we have just as great a pool of talented people down here in Australia or in Europe or anywhere else in the world. Like, the beautiful thing about the post-COVID world is you can all contribute to whatever you want from wherever you want, whenever you want. And I, and I think I, I love doing that. I love feeling like I can I can make a difference um, and importantly make a contribution to the, the planet being slightly more inhabitable when my, when my daughters are my age than, than it would be if we don't do everything we can. And I think it's really important that everyone realizes that we got to act now on this thing, like climate change, people have been talking about it for 40 years talking about it actively for, for 10 years, I only recently stopped denying it in parts of the world. And really, like it's horrifying how rapidly things are changing. And I think people need to, people need to get moving. And if I can help influence that, then that's what I'm going to do. I love that. And influencing even at the risk of your own self. And just out of curiosity, you threw in the word impact there. How do you define impact? Well, as a as a company, we we measure carbon, and I, I, I think it's it's hard for us to claim that we we're avoiding the carbon. But I think we definitely are involved in projects that reduce the amount of carbon that gets emitted into the atmosphere. Like I, I'm excited. I think removing carbon from the atmosphere is is something that three years ago I wouldn't have said would be necessary because I felt that we would we would decarbonize rapidly enough that kind of getting to net zero would be possible without sucking too much carbon out of the, the atmosphere. But I have to say, I don't, I don't believe that anymore. I think something Bill Gates said when I was in Pittsburgh that was very impactful, which is that like, we have to get to net negative 
because there's a bunch of stuff that we can't stop emitting from. And I think the quicker people realize that whether it's every tree you plant or every decision you make about deforestation or every electron you produce by burning dinosaur bones, like all of these things are bad. And they're, and they're not just like, maybe a little bit bad, like they are like catastrophically bad for this planet and we've got nowhere else to go. So I think we should be very, very focused on measuring carbon, verifying people's claims about removing it from the atmosphere. And, and we should create markets globally that incentivize people to, to do the right thing. Um, and I think that's going to be, that's probably the most exciting opportunity in the, in the world over the next five years is like financial markets around carbon. I think that's absolutely something that has to be solved for. Well, Ben, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I certainly think you are a part of this movement and inspiring others around the world listening to this. Ben Hunt, I'm Kevin Edwards, asking you to go out there. Be a part of the movement and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Hey, Relators, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to Relators.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.